This is the Neurosurgery Podcast. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today we are interviewing CJ Bowie from Tulane Oshner to talk about his program, and he runs this with Aaron DeMont. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Dr. Yeah, so, so you guys are located in a fantastic city, in one of my favorite cities. I'm actually going to be there next week. And I want you to maybe inform our listeners because you have a unique hybrid program, right? Yeah, yeah. So we do. We have a unique hybrid program in which it is a, a, a true partnership between the um, uh, Tulane University uh, and Tulane University Medical Center um, and the Oster Health System, which is the largest health system uh, in Louisiana and uh, Mississippi. Uh, you know, sort of Tulane is a sponsor institution, uh, but you know, everything is it's pretty much split. I'm actually uh, chair of neurosurgery at Oshner. Aaron Dumont is chair of neurosurgery at Tulane. I think we work very well together, um, and I'm actually the program director for, for the combined program. Now, this might be an ignorant question, but I, does, does the combination have anything to do with the aftermath of Katrina? Uh, yes, yes, it actually does. You know, I think Oshner um, had worked with LSU for a very long time, but I think, you know, the, the storm pretty much hit a reset button for pretty much the whole city. And, um, you know, the medical field was not, not spared, obviously. Uh, and so due to sort of the way the storm impacted everyone, I mean, Oshner literally went down to one neurosurgeon um, uh, and Tulane uh, was actually had gone down to almost 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 neuro, no neurosurgeon for, for a short amount of time. Um, and we sort of um, had to figure it out. And so as, as a collective group, we have been able to build back up since Katrina. Now, Oster, we have 20 neurosurgeons and uh, Tulane now uh, has seven. And so I think we were able to, uh, to not only save the program, but actually be able to grow the program. Yeah, and I, I want to say you're you're being a little more humble than some of the other program directors. And you know, I remember the Tulane of David Klein, and really just an amazing program. Of course, orthopedic spine there uh, is absolutely legendary uh, in terms of its its contribution to our field. But um, you know, one of the one of the gems of that program had been Charity Hospital. And do you guys still have a Charity Hospital? Yeah. So, so Katrina effectively wiped out charity and that's definitely one of the um the the sadder casualties of uh of the storm really sort of um you know getting rid of one of the few major safety net hospitals left in in the country uh, so charity as it existed is no longer there we have rebuilt um a university hospital downtown but uh, definitely very different from what you know, you or others uh, may have known uh, on charity to be, uh, yeah. but uh, but we actually, um, as a program, uh, no longer really covers there. Um, so we, as a program, cover mainly um, the Tulane University Hospital uh, that's located downtown, and then uh, Osher Medical Center, which is located about uh, fifteen minutes away. 
Yeah, so tell tell our listeners a little bit about the flavor of your program because it, it obviously is a new hybrid. It's obviously something very different, but you are in one of the most amazing cities in America. So tell us what it's like to be a resident there, what the culture of the program is, and what you're trying to build. Well, I mean, obviously, as a program director, having um, a program in New Orleans definitely helps your uh, your recruiting process. Uh, there's no doubt about that, and 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 you know, I would definitely. So New Orleans um, has a very, very unique flavor. I, I, I guess I prescribe to um, one of the quotes, um, you know, uh, by um, uh, by Mark Twain that says, uh, "Sort of, uh, you know, there is sort of New York, New, uh, New York, San Francisco, and New Orleans, and everywhere else is Cleveland." Uh, you know, no offense to the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, you know, having that. Uh, as a backdrop, I think lends itself very nicely to sort of the culture that we want to have, which is really centers around around balance. You know, uh, because we're dual institutional, we're constantly trying to find the, the right balance of experience for the residents. You know, sort of having some downtown, so inner city um, uh, experience, having you know, kind of uh, kind of university based academic experience, but also having a, a robust health system experience with you know some of the things that you know we all are, are are having to to be better at in the healthcare delivery world um and and you know obviously we all work very hard you know and and having a city that allows our residents to um have a balance outside of work uh and be able to find um a nice balance there i think that's been the key to sort of our resident success and uh, the program success. So, so uh, you know, it's really about what balance for us. Yeah, and Oshner Clinic is one of those really behemoth uh, organizations that, I mean, there's a there's a long history there, right? That goes back many many decades uh, of providing care to a community, right? Much like Cleveland Clinic and Mayo Clinic, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the Oshner Clinic. Um, uh, it's really sort of was a group practice that grew uh, out of a need uh, to provide, you know, multi-specialty group practice care to the New Orleans community. Uh, you know, like, you know, Mayo's, I believe, it, you know, uh, we have grown uh, tremendously. I think uh, we're now a $6 billion entity, but as far as healthcare system goes, that's probably just medium size, actually. That's probably not even one of the larger ones, but, but I think that, you know, the, the, the key here is really not about the size. The key here is just about kind of the breadth and being able to have the, um, you know, support, uh, both from a capital perspective, but also just from, a you know, a perspective, to be able to, you know, surround neurosurgery with sort of, you know, top neurologists, top PM&R, no good care, and just, you know, really strong colleagues. Yeah, and maybe you can give our listeners a feel for, like, who's your ideal applicant? We all know that there are many kinds of neurosurgery residents. How would you characterize, like, this is the kind of perfect person? When that when that uh, file comes across your desk, you're like, wow, this person's the perfect fit for us. Well, you know, I, I, think, I think, you know, that's always the... Uh, you know, the tough question every year, right? And and I think that the longer 
that I've been program director, um, you know, the, the, the more challenging that question uh, kind of really is. But I think for, for us and our program, I think that most importantly, if we look for someone um, who wants to make a difference, who actually wants to come into a program and not just get trained. We want someone who wants to put his or her imprint um, on the program. Uh, you know, they're spending, they're spending seven years with us. Uh, and so, you know, we definitely want someone who's going to be active, wants to grow with us because, you know, as you well know, healthcare continues to change rapidly. Um, so neurosurgery, you know, uh, continue to stay at the cutting edge of those changes. And so uh, we want residents that wants to sort of sort of lean in and be out front with us, not just not just to be um, uh, be kind of pulled from behind. Yeah, that's that's great. We are all looking for those self-starter uh, medical doctors, if you will. And and you know, of course, any conversation about your program would be incomplete without talking a little bit about New Orleans and what it has to offer. Maybe some of our listeners have not traveled or been to New Orleans. Tell tell them a little about the flavor of that really wonderful American city that you live in. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, New Orleans is sort of well known for sort of music, food, and sort of you know Mardi Gras and Kind of the party scene, obviously that's all here. But I think that you know the 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 the, the biggest thing that the, that that I find of value, particularly for you know resident applicants and uh, sort of young physicians moving into a town, is is that it's it's really a very small big city uh, that it uh, it is big enough to offer diversity of every kind, but actually small enough that it's really very easy to navigate. Uh, I guess one, one fun fact is, you know, um, I think I think um, last year New Orleans surpassed New York City in actually the number of restaurants per capita. Uh, so, so I thought that was an interesting, um, awesome a tidbit. And 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 the diversity of food here is actually fairly tremendous. Uh, and 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 you know, right now, actually. Uh, from the storm Katrina on, the fastest growing sort of population here is actually young professionals, and you know, um, with uh, with Asha now being the largest employer in the state, it is driven by healthcare and is driven by you know sort of young physicians um, who uh, I think has helped to shape the flavor of the city. So it's no longer just this kind of old touristy city. I think it's a very livable city. Well, Dr. Bowie, that's a fantastic way to close this. And I think that people are getting a good feel for a program that brings together two storied institutions, Tulane University Neurosurgery, as well as the Oshner Clinic. And uh, I congratulate you on your rebuilding effort and hope that uh, you guys do very well in the match this year. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Um, Thank you for having us and giving us just a few minutes to uh, talk about our program. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast, here with another installment in our residency spotlights for the 2021-22 interview season. We are so happy to have with us today Dr. Madison Michael, Program Director at the University of Tennessee down in Memphis, uh, also known as the Sems Murphy Clinic. Dr. Michael, thanks so much for your time coming on the show today. Absolutely. It's great to be here. 
So like we were talking before the recording, the idea here is to give the applicants this year a sense of the flavor and the culture inside the program there, things that they might not get just from the website before the virtual interviews this first round. So if you could, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and what the program there at the University of Tennessee means to you? Yeah, um, so I um, did my residency here um, and um, came under the influence of Dr. John Robertson, who was a skull base uh, expert at the time. He was our, our chairman. And so under his influence, I went away for a couple of years to England to do my fellowship in skull base surgery. And then um, once I finished that, I came back to the University of Tennessee and kind of started you know, assistant professor and worked my way up ultimately to professor and then uh, program director. So I uh, helped run the, the residency program and then I'm uh, uh, chief of skull base here at the University of Tennessee. Well, that's very interesting. You know, it, it's the more program directors we talk to, the more we come across those who were also residents and stayed and, and now have grown to direct the very program that trained them. So you have a very unique insight into what the training is like there at the University of Tennessee, both from the inside as a resident and now helping to shape it moving forward. Um, maybe talk, if you could, about what that training is like today as compared to your time and, and where you see things moving forward in the next, oh, I don't know, seven years or so. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you, you bring this up um, because during my training, I really was very fortunate uh, to be under uh, quite a few great staff. I felt the culture was uh, a really great one for residents. Um, and I could, you know, my training was was everything I wanted it to be. But I think that, you know, it's really important uh, as you go through a situation like that, and then you become in charge of the program, you know, you, you, you become appreciative of all the things that were, were there, but you really want to push it to the next level. And the, the University of Tennessee, we've always been very fortunate with a, a super high clinical uh, volume. So um, I, I've always felt strongly about this. The more you do, the better you get. We, we had case after case after case, tons of stuff going on, all different specialties. And uh, because of that, I felt like that when you graduated, you were super confident um, on the clinical side. So uh, we've always been great at that. But one of the, and I think, shortcomings um, of the University of Tennessee has been our uh, academic productivity, our involvement on the scientific side. And so that was, you know, when we, um, 2011, I think is, is when I came on board, uh, there were a group of us that, that really worked hard at trying to push the, the residency program to the next level uh, on that. And we really felt like academic productivity was the way to do that. And so we kind of set in place um, a system for our residency um, and, and as well as our staff as far as trying to really uh, up our ante, kind of increase our academic uh, uh, production. And I'm really happy to say that that's uh, been the case over the last, I'd say, 10 years we've really been able to push that both on the faculty side and the residency side. So we have not turned our back towards our clinical volume. That is really our foundation. But in an effort to really push our residency program, we wanted to keep our clinical foundation, keep people coming out of here, being able to operate at the highest levels. But we really wanted to stress the academic productivity and the leadership side so that when you graduate from here, you really are that complete package. 
So with that in mind, Dr. Michael, what kind of things do the residents there do in their elective time? Have you tried to institute any structured rotations or structured activities to push the leadership in the academics? Or, or what kind of things do the residents generally do with, with that uh, scheduled elective free time? Right. And that, and that is a dynamic issue for us. Um, you know, we were traditionally, we were a six-year program up until the last several years. And so, of course, now we're a seven-year program. And um, our elective times were always weighted towards the end. So towards the end of our residency, you would have your chance to do six months or more of that elective time. And as you well know, it's a little late um, as far as um, trying to choose a subspecialty at that time. So we're pushing that back into the three and four year um, as of this year and the years to come to try to give our residents exposure to on the subspecialty side so that they can choose that that uh, career choice at a little bit of an earlier time. Uh, and I, of course, as you well know, if you're able to do that, then you can set yourself up for not only fellowships, but jobs and the like. So we're, we're looking uh, uh, or moving our elective time into that three and four year on the six month and the year side uh, to try to help promote subspecialization for our, our residency program. Sure. And I imagine the residents appreciate that for exactly the reasons you listed, that it kind of helps them set up the later years of residency and then the early years after residency with a little more foresight, a little more time for the planning. Um, and so, you know, thinking about the residents as they're moving through the program, maybe can you talk a bit about what is the archetypal University of Tennessee resident? What uh, kind of features and factors in a person are is is the kind of thing that makes you go, oh, that's who we want here. That That's the person we want this year. <laughs> I bet you've gotten a lot of different answers on, on that question. Um, it, it, it's a very interesting one. And, and uh, I think I bring into it a little bit of a bias, but also doing it for the last several years um, to a decade, you know, there's kind of a live and learn part to it as well. Uh, we really look for people um, who are, of course, high achievers. Um, it is nice to one of the things that, that I really try to stress uh, here is that really failure should not be viewed as a negative or a black or a dark. Um, it really should be viewed as an opportunity for improvement. And so I really like to see some part of their past in which they failed and demonstrated that they could move themselves through it and they could pick themselves up and they can get through it and then uh, learn from it. Uh, I mean, I think that's a very important, you know, grit over the last two or three years has kind of been a term that we've thrown out there in neurosurgery. And I do like to see that grit, that determination, that perseverance that you can get through tough struggles because neurosurgery, even in the most perfect days can be quite, quite a struggle. Um, so uh, love to see uh, somebody able to get through some tough times, love to see a high achiever. And then the last thing that's really, really important for us is that team approach. Our culture uh, is really built on that. Uh, it's an all for one and one for all mentality. We, we, we really do not like, we don't want to carve people out of the program. Um, everybody, uh, when they get to the hospital in the morning, it's all about kind of grouping together, working together to get the job done. At the end of the day, it's kind of making sure all the tasks are done. Everybody leaves at the same time. Same way on scientific projects. I mean, you name it, whatever task is in front of us, our culture is that everybody pitches in and gets the job done. So those, those three things, teamwork, 
um, grit, uh, if you want to call it that, and then high, high achiever. Those are the kind of three things we look for. Excellent. Well, you know, as we're wrapping up here, we were talking before we started recording here about Tennessee and the, the various geography across the state and what things are like in Memphis right now. So I wonder if you could just share for the applicants again, since they might not have a chance to visit before the uh, first round of interviews and if they haven't been to the state in the area before, what's life like in Memphis? What kind of things do the residents do with their free time when they're not working away the hours in the hospital? Uh, it's a very, very social town. I mean, for, first thing I, w- I do want to say that the cost of living here is quite low. So um, money goes a long way. So almost all of our residents own their own homes uh, in, in neighborhoods that are very close to the hospitals. So uh, it's a very family type kind of environment in that regard. Uh, very, very social. We do a ton of things together. Uh, we have several events throughout the year uh, in which we get together. Fourth of July, we do an annual pig roast. Uh, we do, of course, the annual softball in New York uh, together. We may try to make that a, a really long weekend for the entire department. Um, so a lot of things we do together. But, of course, if you want to to carve things out for your family or your significant other uh, or your kids, um, it's a very, very social town. So tons of restaurants. Uh, it's one of the United States uh, consistently voted one of the United States best zoos. Uh, we have, of course, a big sports background with the Memphis Grizzlies, the Memphis Tigers. Um, uh, uh, we have a, a, a soccer team here, uh, as well that plays, uh, plays downtown, um, tons of music. I mean, you really can't say Memphis without thinking about music, a lot of free venues, uh, around town, uh, in which there's music on a regular basis, but then there's also, um, uh, uh FedEx forum, which ha- houses a lot of big, big acts and then bill street. Uh, and then there's a real, uh, sense of, of, of kind of, um, uh, involvement of the outdoors down here as well. We have uh, one of the nation's largest urban parks uh, in Shelby Farms, so a ton of mountain biking. Uh, I'm big into trail running, so we have a ton of stuff out there. Um, so just a really, really active town. Um, lots of stuff going on. Um, you know, it was, uh, I think, this year, um, I think on the time, voted one of the top cities in the world. So it's it's really kind of got a lot of things going for it. Um, lots of good stuff going on here in 2021. Excellent. Well, Dr. Michael, we want to thank you for your time and coming on the show today to share with the applicants what life's like in the program and in the city down there at the University of Tennessee at the Sims Murphy Clinic. Thank you so much for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast. Hey, really appreciate you having me. Welcome back to the Neurosurgery Podcast. We're here with another installment in our uh, 2021 and 22 interview season. Spotlights on uh, the residency programs across North America. We are delighted to have back a great friend of the show, Dr. Richard Slank, the program director at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Slank, welcome back to the show. Oh, it's great to be back. Thanks, guys. So unfortunately today we can't talk more about guitars and running and all the fun stuff that we had you on to talk about last time, but it is a a subject perhaps more important, if not more fun for me. We're here to talk about the Cleveland Clinic and help the applicants this year get an inside scoop on what life's like there in Cleveland. So why don't you give them kind of a, your, your inside perspective on the flavor of the program? Yeah, I think this is a, this is a, a program that is in a very uh, busy clinical setting. We have a high volume of very complicated patients. So our acuity level, our volume is very high. Uh, our, our program has historically had a tremendous amount of, uh, of 
you know, has, has really has churned out great technical neurosurgeons. Uh, as a program director, I've had to work on that aspect of the program very little. And so I think this is a, uh, also a, a Cleveland Clinic is a, a place that is a very nice experience to live and to experience for uh, this time frame. I think the quality of life that our residents have, I think, probably rivals any uh, program in the country. Now, besides yourself, Dr. Schlenk, we've of course had Dr. Steinmetz, Dr. Benzel on the show before, who we love talking with them. And between those conversations, and also I remember my own Cleveland Clinic interview uh, just a few years ago, I'm thinking about the things that made your program unique and that stood out for me when I was on the trail. And one of those was some of the different kinds of research that people could get involved in. I know, of course, you have uh, a lot of biomechanical studies that go on under Dr. Benzel. And I recall when I was there, there, were, there was talks about being able to get a PhD or other advanced degrees during residency. What kind of research opportunities are going on at the Cleveland Clinic that might be more unique compared to other programs? Well, I think one of the unique aspects of the Cleveland Clinic is that uh, we have our own uh, research uh, center, the Cleveland Clinic Learner uh, Research Center, which is a really busy, uh, uh, you know, uh, dynamic uh, research institution. But we have very close ties with Case Western Reserve. So our, our residents have access to both of those aspects uh, locally here in Cleveland. And so I think the, the research opportunities are very broad that our residents have. And we recently uh, started uh, something called the PRISM program. And that is a, a PhD program that is available for our residents. And we have one of our, our residents about to enter that program. So it's a two year PhD program that the residents uh, will complete in that time frame, And so that they, during their, um, it will be during their PGY four and five years that they do the, the PhD work and they'll graduate with uh, that degree in addition to their neurosurgical um, experience. So Rich, is that PhD granted by Case Western Reserve? It's in collaboration with the Case Western Reserve University. Oh, great. Okay. So one of the interesting things about Cleveland Clinic, and everybody knows about the Cleveland Clinic, so I don't have to go into asking you about why it's good and and you know how it's clinically excellent but it is organized at least as i remember it when mark mayberg became mark mayberg became chair into these institutes which is different from the traditional model of a department of neurosurgery in a university like we have in miami how does that influence or does it influence how residents and resident training might happen that's a great question so i i tell our applicants that this is an academic institution for sure, uh, but this is not the University of the Cleveland Clinic. So uh, we're affiliated with Case Western, but we're our own entity, and that has significant advantages. Uh, the, the organization has not been tied down to traditional uh, departmental organizational uh, structure. So that's enabled us to collaborate greatly with others in the institution. Case example is spine. Uh, typically in spine, you've got spine neurosurgeons and orthopedic spine surgeons, and uh, the two typically don't mix with education. Usually, you know, if you're a neurosurgery spine faculty, you teach your residents and ortho theirs. But in our program, we are fully integrated. So we have uh, all of our orthopedic staff 
are fully entrenched in teaching our neurosurgical residents, and we are entrenched as neurosurgical faculty in teaching the orthopedic residents. So that that leads itself to a lot of opportunity for the residents uh, to see things in a different way than they may not otherwise. The other advantage is with research. So, you know, because our centers are organized, um, you know, by specialty, you know, when you're when you're working with the in the, with the epilepsy group, you know, the those the the epilepsy neurosurgeons are fully integrated with the epileptologists, and so that really creates uh, a an environment of collaboration. So there there are walls here that just don't exist that are there at other institutions. Mm. Now, Dr. Schlenk, another great thing I remember from my interview day was the phenomenal job your residents did showing us around the town. Uh, we, we had buses. They took us down to the lakeside. We saw downtown. So for the applicants listening this year who haven't had a chance to visit Cleveland and who have never heard of or seen the Drew Carey show, maybe can you sell them on Cleveland as a place to live and describe some of the great activities there? Well, I really appreciate that. So I, I came from the New York metropolitan area, and I thought I was going to come here for one year as a fellow uh, back in the early 2000s. And after living here as a fellow for a, for a few months, I realized what a great city this was. Number one, it's, it's highly affordable. The residents can own a house at a very reasonable, uh, with a re- very reasonable um, mortgage you know, during their time here. Uh, there's no traffic here, so when you drive around, there's no... Uh, there's no added stress. Uh, this is a food town. We have a plethora, a plethora of res- restaurants across multiple cuisines spread throughout the city. It's a sports town, a music town, a museum town. Uh, and so we have a lot of culture here uh, and we have a lot of opportunity even out you know, even outside of Cleveland. This is actually also a, a, a really great place for being outdoors. If you're into running, we've got great trails here. Uh, we've got, or hiking, uh, great biking scene. Uh, and we've got the lake, you know, so if you really like the water, if you want to see beautiful sunsets, uh, you know, Cleveland is a wonderful place. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think people know that until they come here. One of the one of the things that I bemoan about not having the opportunity to have applicants here in person is we really like to show them what Cleveland is like. And it's really a beautiful city. Yeah, Rich, I, I've been there many times and, and seen you guys, and it, it really is a fantastic place to live in a real like heart of America type of situation, which which I envy uh, since I'm from Miami. But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that your uh, resident going through the PRISM PhD program is doing that in the fourth and fifth year. What are other residents doing during that time frame? What's the structure of that middle of the residency when you're not as busy clinically maybe? So we have a, traditionally our, our research years, we have two protected years of research. There's no call, you're not covering vacations, and that's during the PGY five and six years. Um, and so the PRISM program, if a resident enters into that is the PGY four and five program, because we recognize there may be, there may be some work that needs to be done beyond those two years, just in case, you know, maybe there, there's a little delay with some research and the thesis is going to get defended, going to get defended in the two and a half year. So we want to have like a buffer year in there for the resident who, uh, during their PGY six years, 
uh, if they needed to tie up some loose ends uh, during those prism two year the prism two year program. So you know there we we those residents who are entering that prism program are entering the their uh, off clinical years a year sooner. Very good. Well, Dr. Schlenk, we want to respect your time, but in addition, obviously, to plugging our own show and plugging your previous episode on it, uh, my standing policy is free plugs for all charities. And so I will remind our listeners that, as you mentioned, how Cleveland is a great area for running and hiking. You, uh, Dr. Schlenk is heavily involved in a charitable, a charitable organization called Running Forward and Giving Back. We'll link to that in today's episode description. And he talked about that on, the, on his last episode with the show. Um, so with that, Dr. Schlank, thanks for coming on and, and helping the applicants this year get a sense of what the Cleveland Clinic has to offer. Well, I really appreciate it. And uh, for all the applicants that are out there who are scheduled to interview with us, I really look forward to our opportunity to meet each other. Disclaimer time. The opinions and ideas expressed in this show are solely those of myself, Dr. Wang, and our guests. They do not represent the opinions of any professional institution or organization. This show is for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute the giving of medical or legal advice. Listening to or participating in this show does not constitute continuing medical education or any other professional certification. It's just a show, everybody.